Silence. Oppenheimer. I myself am strange and unusual. This is Nerf Ride Radio! Nerd Alert! See, this is the stuff that brings nerds together. So it's sort of social, demented and sad, but social, right? If I'm interested in it, then by definition, it is nerdy. Are you in loser denial or something? My dad's a nerd. And welcome to episode 299 of Nerd Pride Radio. 299, hey, did you know that the new Xbox Series S is going to be released for only $299? I'm more of a Sony guy. I don't think we should be supporting Xbox at this point. Oh, oh, okay, okay, wait, 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 wait. Uh, The new Apple iPad with 128 gigabytes of, of storage space is going to be only $299. I don't think we should be supporting Apple either. Hey, hey, all right, wait, wait, I got it, I got it. The new Oculus Quest is launching in two weeks on October 14th for only $299. Again, Oculus has had its issues. Index would be a much better company to probably... But I, I guess no. All right, I wait, guess Oculus fine. is the more affordable option. Fine, fine. Did you know that HP's colorful new Chromebook 14 will only cost $299 this holiday season? Right, and what what more will it do than my old Chromebook? Wow, you are a party pooper. All right, well... uh, I'm just saying that no one has paid you to say these things. I'm just saying... You don't need to say these things. $299 is apparently the popular price point for new techno gadgets this holiday season. Because apparently under $300... That's okay for a gift that, you know, maybe maybe they won't use that often, that maybe you don't... Yeah, that's that's considered expendable money for some people, I guess. $299, that's not bad. But, whoa, over that, you know, $400, once you get to $400, now, now it's too much. So, $299, that's what I'm saying. Ask me how I'm doing today. Go on. Ask me. How you doing? I am awesome! My name is Mike Jones, and I am a D&D slash Pathfinder nerd, a history nerd, a sci-fi nerd, a comic book nerd, computer nerd, movie nerd, comedy nerd, science nerd, gaming nerd, plus... There's like seven other kinds of nerd I only wish I was nerdy enough to be. That would be a total of 16 nerds, by the way. You're listening to Nerd Pride Radio, the place I go every week with my handsome son Aiden here... Howdy! ...to haver on about all the nerd stuff that just won't fit in our skulls anymore. As always, we are recording live from our Nerd Pride studios in Peach's Castle. We were promised cake. That's good. All right. But you know what? Before we do anything. That's right. It's time for a little feedback. <laughs> you cry, baby. Whatever. Ah, like, you, like you don't know what's coming. You should read the show notes. That's what I'm you saying. You told me not to read ahead. Oh, man. All right. Well, uh, our feedback this week uh, actually comes from uh, uh, actually comes from DM Darks, who is awesome, and uh, 
And he says, after we had a whole discussion about Aiden eating on the podcast, and then I compared him to Pat always eating on their podcast, Me Like Trivia, uh, uh, rest in peace. And, uh, and Pat responded and said, yeah, that's right. I'm the Brad Pitt of podcasting. Yeah, I can't argue with that. He is dead sexy. All right. Anyway, uh, oh, also before we move on, updates. Yeah, last time we were here, we mentioned the movie Cuties just in passing, uh, because apparently Netflix has been getting uh, a lot of a lot of flack for. Uh, originally, they were getting flack for the movie poster for Cuties, uh, which seems to be. Uh, overly sexualizing uh, prepubescent girls. And Netflix apologized and said, look, that, that poster was a really poor choice, but, you know, seriously, this is a very serious coming-of-age film uh, with, with some deeper messages. And the reviews at the time that we were talking about it seemed to be bearing that out, uh, that, you know, maybe there was something more to this film than that. Uh, but then, but then, I got a heads-up from my oldest son, who said, oh, my God, Oh my god, I went and watched the movie? No, no. It's bad. It it's most definitely sexualizing young girls and and glorying in it. And yes, it's trying to to make tell, you know, have some sort of message about it at the end, but but you know, they could do it without the wet t-shirt bit. They could do oh, it without oh, it the was, It was far worse than that. Yeah, okay. I I went out and watched it thinking that it would make a really funny review for the podcast. No. No, I feel... I feel unclean and dirty just watching that movie, and I truly believe that everyone involved in the creation of this movie should be arrested. Wow. See, that's... And I was going to... It is vile. I was going to, but now I'm really having trouble bringing myself... Because Jacob said, oh, just just watch the first 15, 20 minutes. That'll be enough to give you the idea. You don't have to watch the entire film. And so I was going to do that before I got here. Uh, and then uh, I didn't. I didn't. So Look, I'm just saying that there are, despite Netflix's um, non-apology and dismissal of, of the controversy when it first came out, uh, apparently, no, there's, there's things to, uh, to controverse about. Is what I'm saying. Look, so. all I'm saying, if this puts it, if this puts the gravity of this movie into light, I would watch Hillary's America any day over this movie. Okay, that's that. You know what? Though I think you secretly, perversely like watching Hillary's America. There is a odd pleasure in Hillary's America. Only for the fact that it can not even be called entertainment. Huh. It is it is a documentary full of lies, and it is completely dry. There is nothing going on. That's too bad. There could be a lot of joy you know in that sort of. We should watch it sometime. Me and we you. really should. Me and you. That would be awesome. Yeah. I I I have no urge to watch that movie. I mean, I'll watch it. But I have no urge to watch that movie. <laughs> no one should. Um, although, hey, how about how about that new Poopsie music video? Oh my god! What? Yeah. The, what? <laughs> we got mocked on this podcast for referring to Poopsie as a sexualized unicorn in a dirty diaper. What are you going to do with all that poop? 
All that poop. All that poop. What are you going to do? You missed the whoop whoop. Yeah, I know. I know. Come on. We're just munching on my poopitos. It is vile. And anyone who thinks that this toy was not created so some CEO could whack it in his office, you are entirely wrong. (laughs) While that may be true... I'm I'm really starting to see the comedy in Poopsie. I really I I was prepared to be a little uh, offended by Poopsie's new music video, but I mean, there no Here's the All right. Here's the thing. Stormy Daniels, if I could for just a moment here. Okay. I would like to point out that you are talking about unicorns in diapers and you have now diverted to Stormy Daniels and I am fascinated to know why right if it, if it would please the court give me a little leeway on this you have one, the floor okay stormy daniels uh is suing tucker carlson all right because tucker carlson invented mm- poopsie and they have a striking likeness no 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 tucker, <laughs> tucker carlson after the whole uh uh bit with trump and the hush money and the blah blah, blah tucker carlson went on his show and said and made all sorts of accusations that this was extortion that this was blackmail this was basically accused her of crimes and so she was suing him for defamation because he accused her of crimes on a news program right okay give me a second i need to move this microphone okay so better in court fox news's lawyers went into court to defend Tucker Carlson, and their argument was that Tucker Carlson does not actually deliver, in quotes, the news, uh, nor uh, are what he presents, uh, can they be technically construed as facts. Oh, cool. I'm glad that they said it out loud. Right. This is, and that that, that is absolutely true, that he is offering, um, they don't say parody because that would be a little too close to home. Uh, but they're basically saying that he's he. I can't remember the exact words, but um, that his ranting is uh, sensationalist non- bullshit. It's, it's, yeah, it's non-literal ranting. Blah blah blah. And basically, their argument is: look, he's not really a source of news, and no reasonable viewer would ever suspect that he is. Therefore, this is all protected under under free speech, basically parody laws. This kind of thing. But it's not because. You present it on the program as news. The judge in this case, a federal judge who was appointed by Trump seven months ago, she said in her in her ruling, it's legal. She said no reasonable viewer could construe what Tucker Carlson does as facts. So she's saying the president is not reasonable. Well, okay, I wasn't. I, oh, wow, I can't believe you drew that conclusion just because he came out, like, the very next day, and he's, like, quoting Tucker Carlson to make points out on stage. Um, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Like, like it's the same thing that happened with, uh... It's, it's a whole nother self-a-werewolves, what's, dude. What, what's, what's, uh... Oh, the guy with the freaking frogs. Alex Jones! Uh, yeah, Alex Jones made the exact same argument when he was in court, is that what he does is not news, and is not what he does is for entertainment purposes only, and is not consider- shouldn't be considered as being 
uh, actual facts or actual opinions that he holds. Right, and the president still quotes him too. And so... Because they are putting chemicals in the water that turn the frickin' frogs gay. Uh, so... Uh, 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 it's crap. Right. So, um... So my point here is, look... What Poopsie does... <laughs> no reasonable viewer... Could possibly construe this to be seriously meant as as uh, an honest attempt at sexualization of. I mean, like, yeah, it's a parody of sexualization, but it's not. I mean, much like Tucker Carlson, it's just glittery shit. Cuties was supposed to be a parody of sexualization. No, 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 no. It was supposed to be a gritty depiction of sexualization of underage children. In order to make a point about their exploitation and the pressures that girls are under in modern society. I think. I haven't seen it. I'm just guessing. Um, Well, I have seen it. Okay. (laughs) I'm just... And I'm not mad at all because you're you're making good points and this is a back and forth. but, But I ended my bit with... Much like Poopsie, Tucker Carlson is just a glittery pile of shit. Oh, okay. And yeah, and it was one of those jokes that got lost, but I just wanted to emphasize it because I felt particularly clever coming up with that on the spur of the moment. You guys should be impressed, all of you. I'm pointing at the microphone so you know I'm talking to you. Um, but that again, every time I listen to this podcast, every time that you're on, um, which is most, uh, I wind up as I listen back to it, there's all sorts of jokes that you make that I never realized while we were recording that you made them because I'm already moving ahead in my head to another segment or I'm plotting something or, and like, you'll come up with these lines like, Oh God, I wish I had acknowledged that when it happened because that was really funny. So, um, again, yeah, the fact that you would step on my line, I, it, it's, I'm not holding it against you. I'm just saying <laughs> I, I get it, but you know, I really like that line. All right. So anyway, enough of me, uh, wallowing in my own, uh, well, it's not really self pity. It's all right. You know what? I got to stop. No more digressions. We got to move on because it's time for the meticulously applied portion of this podcast. This is the time for me and Aiden, where we talk about all of the interesting things that we've stumbled across during the last week. If something tickles our nerd fancies during the course of our busy, busy weeks, uh, we add it to this master list here, and all of the best stuff off of this list gets spewed out all over you guys every time we record. You, you lucky dogs. dogs! All right, straight into that master list. Hey, how's it going? It's going all right. How are you guys? Yeah, you guys holding up all right? I mean, it's, uh, you know, COVID numbers keep going up, uh, protests in the street. Um, the world's on fire. Yeah, it, the, the president keeps talking about how uh, if he doesn't like the results of the election, he's just not going to accept it. He's it, like, like literally talking to Pennsylvania. The campaign reached out to Pennsylvania to say, hey, if, if Trump loses... Uh, it's possible that you guys could just replace the electors with ones loyal to Trump because you want something more representative of what you feel Pennsylvania voters think. He, he's he's also encouraging his supporters to commit voter fraud. Okay, but wait, I didn't mean to get political. That's not what we're here for. I'm just here to say that there's a lot of stress going on. There are uh, there are protests in the street. There's um, there's People driving trucks through protesters in the street. Uh, things we're, were rough. We're getting political. And scary. Um, I didn't say what side they were on. I'm not. Just, I'm just mentioning facts. Uh, 
I'm pretty no, sure no reasonable listener would construe what you say is <laughs> that's right. No news <laughs> or facts. That's right. So um, uh, I'm pretty sure the West Coast is still mostly on fire, uh, but but you know there's got to be bright spots. What's something good going on? What? Okay. Oh, my 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 house personally is not on fire. Wow, that's great. Um. Um. Your mom just had a birthday. Yeah, it's right now. Today. Yeah, we're we're in here recording a podcast on her birthday. That's how much we care. Um, no, she actually a week ago she said, "By the way, I'm going to be working on homework, and you guys have you guys have permission to record a podcast on my birthday if you want." We didn't even prompt her. And then I verified. I verified. Oh shit! She's standing in the doorway holding the laundry basket. I think she wants help. No. I Damn didn't. it. You, okay, now, you wanted to do laundry on your birthday. Don't you dare. <laughs> she really did. I'm not a monster, I swear uh-huh. to God. Yeah, sure. Um, uh, all right, so anyway, um, the point being, hey, it's Lisa's birthday, and she got some awesome gifts, and uh, and we were all very thoughtful, and uh, you know, up until now, we're, we're recording a podcast while we force her to do our laundry for us. Uh, but otherwise... Hey, 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 look. This is an animal ball. We can't do a women in gaming episode. Stop. It's not a... a, She sincerely wanted to do laundry today. Because that's her role in life, right? Mike? She... How dare you? No. She honestly... (laughs) She said her goals today is she wants to get all of her grading done for school. Um finish the IEPs that she has to have ready for this week, and she wants to be caught up on laundry. That is what she said. And I have been helping her with said laundry all day long until right this moment, because now, podcast, I mean, what are you going to do? I don't have a choice. Um, but, uh, but otherwise, you guys holding up all right? Tra- tra- translation, just because it's her birthday doesn't mean she has to stop cooking and cleaning. All right. Other than, other than Aiden being a butthole about this, why do you have nah, a soundboard? That's not a good enough sound. Um, we are not going to become an XM radio station. Really? S- stop. Please. I don't have anything good here. Where's my booing? They're, they're, they're already, like, way too bit-crushed. I'm wondering how these are coming across on the mic. Well, do it. Oh, I think my booing might be the uh, F-minus there. I don't think I can get into How about... I can do a crappy air horn. What? Oh, there it is. <laughs> Great radio. Like, I don't I don't know where this came from. I just found it laying on the floor the other day, and I thought, wow. Um, I should really bring this with me. <laughs> Good idea, Mike. Stop. Look, well, the, the audience disagrees with you. We are already two <laughs> sad nerds sitting at a table recording a podcast alone. We don't need canned applause. Please. We're going to lose listeners. We'll never hear from them again. <laughs> See, they think I'm funny. Alright. You didn't even tell a joke! I was laughing. Alright. Anyway. 
the whole point was this was supposed to be hey how's it going are you guys doing all right that's i keep asking and then this guy keeps interrupting for his own personal gain i don't know what his problem is um personal gain i am calling out the evils of the world no, it's i'm gonna take away your buttons too like you take away art too no it's my my toy uh, what what do you guys think? Do you guys think I should keep it? Please stop. What? <laughs> he's there. Th- he's throwing it away. What a jerk. Alright. Um anyway, uh again, this this was supposed to be a check in, which we have not done very well at, but I hope you guys are doing alright. Yeah. Uh hope things are holding up well. Um, you know. Talk to us. Let us know. So anyway, um oh, Nah, we'll skip that one. Not even... I'm just going to do snot the news, but honestly, my boogers haven't really changed much. We're no. Um, oh, oh, I know, I know, I know. Uh, here's an Aiden segment. It's the gaming table. Ooh! I've got Dungeon Master's Guide. I've got 12-sided die. Role-playing games, video games, board games, card games, any games, if it fits in my gaming table, or Aiden's, then we are here to share it with you. Um, hey, what you got? So I have an issue. I know. We can get you help. <sighs> it's... It's about Critical Role. What's Critical Role? Critical Role is a group of voice actors, very famous voice actors... Who play D&D and they post the episodes online for people to watch and listen to and all that good stuff. Yes, I knew that. And I think that they are ruining D&D for everyone else. What? But they're so good. Right. That's the issue. Because new and old players alike, when watching Critical Role now have this yearning for every campaign to be as grandiose and well-acted and as high-energy as Critical Role, and no one but Critical Role can deliver that kind of power for six hours straight. Yeah, and I've never watched or listened to Critical Role stuff. I mean, I know it's out there. I've heard people talk. But I also assume that like a lot of the other uh, actual roleplay podcasts that I have listened to, and I, for some reason, I can't listen to them. I, I, I wind up enjoying listening to an actual play podcast for several episodes. It's like a soap opera with math. And then, yeah, and then after a while, it just I just can't keep up with it. Uh, but in general, they also have the advantage of, you know, editing. Uh-huh. Like well, Critical Role doesn't doesn't cut anything down. Really? Yeah, it is pure six hours. Oof, unadulterated. Yeah, because I've heard because I've heard some that have uh, that have editing. I've heard some uh-huh. that have no editing, and usually the ones that aren't edited are uh, uh, really difficult to listen to because you get all of the table noise, all of the all of the clattering, the the pausing while we look up a rule, the arguing over stuff. Well, the... right, but Critical Role, they're professionals. Well, I get that. But even as professionals, you know, there's got to be times when, you know, you just stop to make dick jokes for 30 minutes. And... 
No, no, they're very serious, and that's another problem I have with it, is that they are in character all the time. And so it spawns players who refuse to exit character for any reason. Mm -hmm. Which is exhausting. Which is a viable way to play... If but, everyone at the table is playing the same way. Exactly what I was going to say. You have to have those expectations laid out that everyone's okay with doing that before you start. Right. And if they're not, then you need to work out some compromise. And D&D is a feedback loop between a DM and his players. Because I have been DMing for a year and a half now. And I have heard... From Because I've ran short campaigns here and there, and then I've got a few longer ones running. But from a lot of my short campaigns, uh, online and through Zoom and all that, I have heard, if you could DM more like Matt Mercer, mm-hmm. that would probably be good. And my response is always, alright, well then you need to play the game like Matt Mercer's crew. Uh-huh. Because it is truly a feedback loop. If the party is high energy and high roleplay, then your DM can play with that. Uh-huh. But if you are going to be not high roleplay and not in character all the time, then your DM is not going to be inclined to give you the same feeling back. It He's not going to do... I mean, a lot of DMs, if, you fee, if he feels like you're not... Or she. I don't mean to exclude people. Right. If they feel like they are, if their players aren't paying attention, or if their players aren't up for that much roleplay, well, they may elect to not include it. So you need to give to your DM as much as your DM is giving to you. And I feel that Critical Role sets up players to expect far more out of D&D than they're willing to put into it. So it's like, it's like teenagers getting to their first sexual encounter and all they've seen is years of incest porn. Yes. 100% exactly like that. Got it. Where you have this high expectation that that this is what D&D is supposed to be, and then once you get to your first campaign, and it's not like that... Well, now your dreams are crushed, and it turns people away from the game. Hmm. I follow you. I follow you, and I get it. And, and again, and to me, it's all. There's also. It's all about communication and trust between, between GM and players. Every mm-hmm. everything comes down to communication and trust, so that to get to that stage, yes. Everybody has to agree to ahead of time that this is the sort of... I guess it's a little bit of nerd rage, actually. Yeah, this is... Oh, I've got some more nerd rage later. Oh, okay. Um, but mine's super nerdy. Uh, How dare you? Oh, I, I guess this is, but I'm just saying... Mine's... mine's uh, anyway, we'll, I'll, you'll see when I get there. Are you gatekeeping nerd culture? No. I'm just saying... Name I'm, me three of their bands. <laughs> All right, the double clicks. Okay. <laughs> Um, I could only do one, so I didn't pass it off as if it was a joke. Um, so, uh, anyway, I was going to say, uh, I did say communication and trust uh-huh. in that 
In that, yeah, if you want that level, then everyone has to be on the same page. Right. And you then have to get, when you're in the game, there has to be a level of trust between all the players and the GM together so that when it's time to, to okay, we're going to push through the rules to get, because we want to maintain our level of action right. here. And so that means that I'm just going to say, here's what we do. Here's what you roll. Here's the, you know, and I'll, I'll call things out. Yeah, what's your bonus? All right, then here's a modifier's roll. And, and there has to be a trust there that we're not playing oppositionally and right. that the player is not then saying, Oh, well, wait, but, but, but what if I, what about this part? Well, don't I get a bonus for this? Oh, come on. You let him have a, right. You have to, you have to all be on the same page. And I'm not saying that we should just blanket, you know, let the, the, the GM run roughshod over people or do whatever they're... Right. Doing. But there's got to be a, a trust there so that you can you can just... You can walk through that stuff and if there is a conflict, you can resolve it with just a couple of words rather than having to... Right. You know, there's just a lot of things that go into it. And it's very, very difficult to do that um, in in even, even really experienced groups. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, you know, we're, I, we're fortunate with our Pathfinder game that Pat is a spectacular game master. He puts in a lot of work and a lot of prep, and he listens to us, and we've been doing this for seven years. And so, therefore, you know, we've got a rapport. Things work well. and But it takes a long time to get there. And he's got, before he even started playing with us, he's still got, you know, 20-some years of experience as a GM uh, behind him already. So. And something that a lot of DMs don't get is that while some plot points and some kinds of character development work really well in book format, you have to keep in mind that if you have a character that is going to have many, many losses up until the very end of the campaign, and finally they get their redemption and all of this... Someone has to play that person. Right. And that, that's, you, that... you can't have someone play that person and expect them not to ask questions and not to get fed up with right. the, the game. The, the idea is that the, the difference between a uh, book or movie or even comic book and the actual roleplay experience is that when you are roleplaying, just like in a video game, players expect regular rewards of some sort right. and it doesn't and it that it doesn't have to be reward in a traditional sense but it does have to be reward in in feeling that they have accomplished something in right. the game or that they've done something meaningful or that, or that their that accomplishments aren't sullied by a greater failure right and so yeah there's a i i i agree that the, there are a lot of times that even myself as a game master it took a long time to realize that oh crap as much as I love the slow progression, uh-huh. we, I played, I played with uh, uh, my brother and my friend Steve, and sometimes Rob was there, and we played this long set of campaigns where people, you know, went from third level to fifth level, and it took a couple of years just to progress a couple of levels. Uh huh. And we loved that campaign, but that's because for them, there were rewards in in the story. That were paying off for them, and that's uh-huh. that's what we were there for. And so they had these these action moments, or these story rewards, or sometimes magical item rewards 
that made up for the lack of progression in levels. And I just assumed that, oh yeah, yeah, slow progression. That's just the way to go. Uh-huh. This is, this is the, this is the key to it. And then as I moved on, especially with you guys as kids, uh, when you were little, it's like, oh no, you guys need real tangible rewards. I can't, you know, just telling the cool story isn't quite enough for a kid. Uh huh. You need, you need shiny things to latch onto. And, and lots of people, even grown, grown adults, uh, you know what? Sometimes we need the shiny thing. Right. And and it's it's a hard lesson to learn. And this this turned really into a d- advice segment for DMs. Right. See, aren't you glad we didn't rage about it? This right. Is perfect. Another point that I like to make to new DMs or even old DMs is that try not to restrict your players as much as possible, because if you're going to restrict how they can make their character what their names can be, what they're allowed to do, if you're going to railroad them. Well, if you want a serious campaign, then the fact that you want to take it serious makes the jokes all that more funny. (laughs) And you're not going to get a serious campaign. On the other hand, I try to restrict my players as little as possible, and because of that, they get to do what they want, they get to put their their own piece of themselves into these characters, and they truly feel for them. To a point where I had a character have a tearful, heartfelt moment with his friend named Bonerfart, and... Stop. Yes, that is objectively hilarious, but it was still this tear-jerking moment. That's pretty good. Because he was able to feel for this character. And if you railroad your campaign, or or if you're too much of a hard-ass about scheduling, because that's a big thing, is that if you're like, it's going to be every it's gonna be every Wednesday. If you're not there, then you're missing that session. Well, now people are missing parts of the story, and... Mm-hmm. So, if you can, if at all possible, work with your players on scheduling. Okay, can we pause for just a moment? Yes. All right, I'm going to pause. All right, that pause gave me some time to cool down. I'm less angry at Critical Role, and that rant was... That rant was something, but, uh... What's next on the list for me? Is it, uh... Oh, 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 that's right. Oh, God, we're still in the gaming table. Yeah. Uh, It says, Mario hunts endangered species. That is correct. So... Why would Mario do that? Well, because Bowser's considered an endangered species. What? Wait a minute. Now, hold on, hold on, hold on. There's Bowser and his uh, seven kids. Uh, eight kids. Are there eight? Uh, I thought yes. there were seven, and there... then there was an eighth one for... Oh, wait, no, but then there's Bowser Jr. No, then there's nine. Really? Because uh, they use Roy and Morton interchangeably. Really? Name three of their songs. Oh... Uh... Wendy, Iggy, and Ludwig. Okay. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> so then there is Bowser, his nine kids. Okay. Uh, Bowser's brother. Mm-hmm. Uh, that brings us to 11. And then the three Koopa kids from Mario Party. Okay. Now, is it established that Peach is the kids' mom? 
It is not fully established, though she did not 100% deny it in Mario Sunshine. So we are unsure. Okay. So, when... Because that's a point of contention when Bowser Jr. says, Peach is my mama, and Peach doesn't immediately say no. She gives this contemplative look like, well, maybe... Okay, but I always just assume that uh, Bowser and all of his kids are all genetically female, and he just, well, she re- reproduces uh, by parthenogenesis. Parthenogenesis? That whole, uh, um, whatever that process is of, of uh, laying eggs without a dad. Uh-huh. The thing that turkeys can do. No. Yeah, the, no, there's only 14 known members of the Bowser species. Okay, but but then have they been officially declared an endangered species? Well, no, because the people in charge of that is the Mushroom Kingdom. Okay. So, why would you mark the enemy you're trying to eradicate as a protected species? Okay. Now we're getting to the bottom of this conspiracy. Oh. Wait, but see, okay, hold on. They're not an endangered species because they're intelligent. This is just genocide. I don't think that makes it any better. Oh. Yeah, no, you're right. That makes it actually worse. I think. (laughs) Keep in mind that out of... Where, Where did this theory come from, by the way? This is all me. Oh, okay. Keep in mind that out of the remaining of Bowser's species, there is one female and... They're all related. Okay, but... So, are... Is... Is Bowser not just some some form of Uber Koopa? I have just pulled up Bowser's species right here, just for that exact question. Bowser's species, and I quote, The only known members in the games are Bowser, Bowser's brother... Bowser Jr., the Koopalings, and the Koopa Kids. How are they different from... The unique features of this species is that the plastron is formed by plates covering the belly and is detached from the carapace, which is not seen in standard Koopas. Oh, I, you know what? I, I, I'm here... Oh, and the vote. carapace is spiked, but I'm pretty sure that one was obvious. I... Okay, but are they maybe just a subspecies of Koopa? I mean, okay. Saying that Bowser is a Koopa is like saying a ladybug is a beetle. It is, in fact, a true statement, but not all beetles can... can Can they interbreed? They probably cannot, or else there would be more of Bowser's race. That's true. Bowser would be getting it on with a lot of Koopas at that point. Right. Mm. Also, his brother's name is Sevror, if anyone cares. Nope. Nope, no one did. That's a dumb name, by the way. Uh, he only appeared in one game, and that was uh, Mario and Luigi the Lost Levels. He, he's also known as Blue okay. Bowser. Okay, I, get, I, I follow you. Alright. Okay, okay. Um, do we have more on that one? Uh, well, I'm just saying, Mario, we already knew this, but we have more evidence that you're a monster. <laughs> Look, I... I, I just think he's not very nice to his brother. That's all I'm saying. I, no, he is not nice to his brother. 
but he's also attempting to commit genocide. Okay, I, you know what? Nope, nope. I'm not even, not even no, gonna go there. No, no, what? No, the re- the red hat and mush- mustache seems real familiar. No, no, I, I was, I was gonna go off on, on Bowser being literally the evil enemy, and that. And then when I got to the, yeah, who's trying to steal our women, and, oh, wait, no, this this propaganda sounds terrible. Uh-huh. This is, yeah, okay, no, you're right, he's a monster. I can't Yeah, Ma- Mario is an absolute terrible person. Ugh, okay, okay, okay. Uh, video game grinding? Ah, yeah. This sounds like it's going to be tedious. Oh, uh, ho, ho, ho. Um... <laughs> So, me and a few friends got on the topic of the grind in video games. Right. And for those of you who don't know, uh, grinding in video games is doing very similar actions repeatedly to gain some form of reward. Right. Repetitive tasks just not, not that, that are not challenging in any way, but that you have to keep doing until you have enough diamonds or whatever the... Right. The thing you're grinding for is. Or enough points to get to that next level so you can now move on. And this started with uh, the new Marvel game that came out. Okay, this is where the discussion came up. Right. Which apparently, according to people who have played it, a lot of people who have played it, almost every mission feels identical. Ew, okay. Right, and so um, we were talking about the grind and how, well, if everything feels the same, then there's really no point... And someone came to the game's defense. They have never played it. Keep that in mind. None of us have ever played it. And he said, well, how is Monster Hunter any different? And I, I was personally offended. (laughs) As you would be. I, I am a veteran hunter, I will have you know. And there is a difference between fighting the same dressed black, dressed in black henchmen over and over and over. As there's a difference between fighting this large frog and fighting a large fire-breathing dragon. Okay. Yes, you do have to maybe fight that same fire-breathing dragon four times, but at least each quest is different. The dragon has an AI. It is allowed to go wherever it wants, do random attacks. Technically, the henchmen also are powered by an AI, just not a sophisticated one. but in that mission, it's... Enter room A, fight henchmen. Enter room B, fight henchmen. Right. And in Monster Hunter, it's, oh, great, the dragon's in room 8. All right, okay, it's flown to room 12. Okay, next fight. Why is it starting in room 5? What's going on? Okay, I follow you. there's variety in Monster Hunter. And in Monster Hunter, the grind is not required. If you can play well enough... Sure, you'd need to upgrade your weapons to keep damage thresholds above that 50-minute mark. But armors? You could play the entire game without armor. You don't need to do the grind. Yes, it makes the game easier, and yes, the armors look fantastic. But it is by no means required. Mm -hmm. So then Destiny was brought up. I don't know Destiny, but go Uh, ahead. Destiny and Destiny 2 are... uh, I know I'm going to get flack for saying this, Call of Duty in space. But, so, space wizards are given guns. 
Yeah. Gifted by a magical orb in the sky. Okay, doesn't matter. And you have to do certain missions to unlock certain guns to work with your build. Uh Uh-huh. And if you want to play competitively, well, you need the latest meta for your build. Okay. I have heard the horror stories of people having to do the exact same mission 12 times before they get the item they need. Oh, oh, so you're grinding for random release. Right. Got it. Which is how Monster Hunter sometimes works, but instead of completing a mission to get one reward, you're completing a mission and receiving 30 items that all work towards your goal. Mm Mm-hmm. And yes, there are items like plates and gems and plastrons, that you may do a few quests without receiving. But each fight with the same monster is different enough that you don't feel like you're doing the exact same thing for hours on end. Mm-hmm. I get you. Look. All and right. So you can't compare a game like Marvel to a game like Monster Hunter when it comes to the grind because... When the grind feels different and the grind is not required is far there's, different than there's it a way of dr- There's a way of dressing up the grind so that right. at least you feel like you're doing something. It requires your engagement to some degree. As yes. You, okay, because, again, my, my, my experiences here are very simple, but uh, I found a new tower defense game that I liked. been playing mm. it for a month. Now I'm going to delete it off my phone again because I'm done. <laughs> Same. Uh, but this tower defense game, I love tower defense games. I know you do. Uh, but this one, I got to the point where I solved everything. I went through every level. I got every level at three stars. I got the bonus medallion at every level, uh, except for the last three. Well, there's well, there's three of them where I just couldn't get the medallion. Couldn't get that last percent on each one. Uh, and one of them I finally got. But the other two, it's like, oh, I could get them. But it would mean that, oh, I just have to collect a lot of diamonds. And diamonds, collecting diamonds means I need to grind. I need to go back to some low levels. And I need to just replay one of those low levels, oh, 15 times. Uh-huh. And then after 15 times, I'll have enough diamonds to beat the one that I want to get through. And then I can be completest about it. And then I realize, oh. Yeah, but what's that going to do for me? Yeah. My, my whole point is, oh, but I know I can do that. Like, I can go back and each level takes, it takes a good 10 to 15 minutes to mm-hmm. play it through. Even when, you know, I'm overpowered now and I can get through it really quick. So that means i got to put in like two, three hours worth of grind. Yep. Just so I can prove that I've beaten this one. I'm like, you know what, I'm just going to delete the damn thing. Right. Uh, because I could do it, but it's it's not... It, it's a tower defense game. I know where to put the towers. It's... Right. I'm, I'm going to play the exact same thing. I mean, I mean, you have two options. 15 times Corners in a row. or straights. Yeah. I, well, here's the thing. <laughs> This one, it's called Digfender. D-I-G, Dig. I've seen ads for Digfender. And Digfender, you actually dig your own tunnel, so you actually get to pick. So do you want to zoom over here to where the gold deposit is? Do you want to go over to this side to get emeralds? Do you want to, you know, do you want to make it windy? Do you want to make it straight? So you can choose some elements of your path. There's obstacles in the way, and they force you into into some... Uh, position sometimes but it's actually it's a really fun game if you like tower defense and it took me about a month and now i'm done mm-hmm. so uh so deleting it off the phone and it's also one that you don't 
It doesn't require you to ever watch an ad ever. Mm-hmm. Uh, Those are the best. Yeah, you certainly can. If you want to get more diamonds, you can. But they also claim that every level can be beaten without diamonds entirely. And if I was really committed to it, these last two, uh, I would I would beat them without getting the special diamond items. Uh, but nope, <laughs> they've defeated me. So I could grind and get what I need, but eh, uh-huh. I'm just going to be done. So Right, and the whole thing is that there is good grind, there is bad grind, and there is the tedious grind. Uh-huh. I get you. Which, good, Monster Hunter, Marvel is the bad, and Destiny 2 happens to be the tedious. Right. I follow you. Alright. Um, I am sorry for being so long-winded. He can't help it. He's my son. Uh, I mean, it's better than usually what I do, and I just, you know, breeze through my topics. Right. Now... Since he's eaten up an hour of our time, I'll go quickly. We are only 48 minutes in. Yes, but you've done every bit of talking so far. So, uh-huh. uh huh. Science Corner. Ooh, she blinded me with science. She blinded me with science. Blinded me with science. And that music means if you don't walk away now, you might be in danger of learning something. The moon. What about it? The moon. Okay, so... uh, I mean, if you believe in that kind of thing. You know, when we go into space, our biggest worry going into space, sending people to live and work in space... Yeah? Our biggest worry is the radiation. Yes. All right? And uh, that's going to be the biggest problem with going to Mars. It's going to be the biggest problem with living on on the moon, we think. Because, uh, here's the thing, Uh, if you live on the moon, Uh how much radiation is the average human going to get? While they're uh, on the moon. Death within a day? Oh, yeah. No, it turns out we've never checked. Really? We... Oh, my God. We went to the moon wait, in wait, 1969. Wait. We never thought to check for cosmic radiation? We we have sent probes to the moon. We've well, had, I guess it's solar radiation. Right. We had people on the moon 50 years ago, and we've never bothered to check to see what the radiation levels are. I mean, we have sent tons of stuff. I mean, up wouldn't to the that moon. also be similar to the radiation levels on Mars? Except, you know, Mars would be less because of distance. Okay, maybe because the Earth is pr- protected by our magnetosphere, which, means uh, which the, might di- deflect it from the Moon too. Right, and so the International Space Station is protected somewhat by the magnetosphere, although not much. It's the protection decreases with altitude. Apparently, they measure the radiation in something called sieverts, uh, which I've mm-hmm. never heard of. But yep. sieverts uh, is measured by how much radiation the human body would absorb while there. And it turns out just recently, like a joint Chinese-German venture, finally sent something up to measure the amount of radiation that a human would absorb on sp- in space. And uh, if it matters to you... It's uh, 1,350 microsieverts. Uh, oh. Which is, uh, and th- this is the thing. The headline says, we finally checked how much radiation is on the moon, and it's not good news. Uh, because that would be about five times what you get at the International Space Station. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, easily 50 to 100 times what you would get on Earth. And so the you you'd last about a week before dying of radiation poisoning well no you get a little longer they turn really? it turns out the they said it would limit human beings to 2 months on the moon okay one week there 2 months on the moon one week back so it gives you 10 weeks 
Right, All unless right. we build, you know, shielded buildings and... Right, and and so there, the whole... Sorry, I only know about radiation from Fallout, which this, is surprisingly accurate. This whole long article is explaining how how this is, you know, worse than we expected, and it's, you know, limiting people to only two months on the moon is actually really limiting, because uh-huh. it's very expensive to get us back and forth. And they said, like, literally, they go through this entire thing, and then the very last line, like, two sentences at the end, it says... Or the other workaround for this is that we could simply uh, put our bunkers underground as long as there's a, a layer of at least two and a half feet of lunar soil on well, top wait, of it. I'm sorry. You're protected. Wait, hold it. Wait, 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 wait. Two and a half feet? Two and a half feet of lunar soil would be adequate protection, and then you could live there as long as you need it. Two and a half, this much? Yes. Yes, that much. I... Which okay yeah okay it's an added layer of complication because yes then we have to um, we have to make sure that we have specifically soil moving equipment that is on the moon in order to do this but yes yeah, so what we're going to have a lot of complications and a lot of heavy lifting to do to get a lunar base going in the first place this is just you know one more thing to add to that list it's not a which we may already have had. Soil moving equipment planned to go because we were planning on constructing things there. So I mean, really, two and technically, and a half. find a large enough crater, stick your bunker into the side of the crater, collapse the crater above it. Right, something. Yeah, there's. I mean, I get, I get that that's super rudimentary and it's not taking into account impact forces, but still. Yeah, look. Ultimately, it means that yes, we're gonna have to send a lot of digging stuff, and we're gonna have to. But okay, yeah, we can do that. I'm like, I read this entire thing, and it was like so disheartening because well, we've got the Artemis project that's planning to send people to the moon in 2024. Really? Yeah, go figure. Um, and and we have all these plans, and I'm like, oh, two months, God, that's gonna suck. What are we? Oh, how do you do a workaround for this? What does shielding cost even? And then he's like, two and a half feet of, of lunar soil. I'm like, oh, please. Yeah, we could do that. Uh-huh. That's not tough at all. Um, I mean, uh, Colin Furs, in like a week, built himself an underground bunker in his backyard. Right, right. In normal Earth gravity. Right. So you're it would be way be... easier up there. Right! Okay. Uh, as long as we're on the topic of space, uh, real quick, uh, everyone saw that they found phosphines uh, on Venus. And phosphines oh. are generally produced uh, by uh, bacterial life on Earth. Um, hey. And so, therefore, th- th- there are lots of other things that could cause phosphines in their atmosphere. Uh, volcanoes, uh, lightning strikes. Um, there's a bunch of other stuff that could cause it. Now, it turns out that they've studied, and none of those work for, for Venus because none of those processes occur at a level high enough to actually produce the phosphines that we're seeing. So there may be life on Venus? There might be. Now, they're they're also saying, look, this is really cautious, and and just because none of our known mechanisms for right. creating phosphines are involved, it's it's a, it's literally alien chemistry. It There could be all sorts of things could, happening Could you there. imagine? We've been searching the cosmos for life... And it was just, like, on our next-door neighbor well, the entire time. This is the other part. And this I got from uh, listening... Which would be a massive discovery, and means that life is far more common than we thought it is. 
Maybe. Uh, because, all right, uh, I got this one from The Constant, uh, which you guys should all listen to The Constant. And uh, because he was talking about the Viking probes that were sent to Mars back in the, the Vikings 70s. had space programs? They were the first ones uh, from Europe to... De- to, to colonize uh, the moon? No, to well, to land in the Americas. Uh, and then, obviously, the Vikings beat us to the moon. Um, <laughs> there were Viking probes sent to Mars uh, in the 70s. And the tests that were done at that time showed signs of microbial respiration on Mars. And I don't know if I have all the facts exactly correct, but it is something along the lines of they said, oh, well, look, it can't be microbial life because there just can't be life on Mars. So tell you what, uh, have it take another sample and then let's run this sample through a sterilization procedure that would kill any potential life that could be in the sample. And then, you know, when we see that the respiration is still there, then we'll know it didn't come from life. So they run that test and nope, no respiration after they run the sterilization. All right, well, we must have missed something. Try try sterilizing it like this. Same thing. So what happens is they keep testing and they keep seeing that there's signs of microbial respiration. I don't know exactly what those signs are. I don't know what chemistry they were looking at. And so they see they see signs of potential life and then they work to sterilize their sample and when they sterilize their sample then the the signs of respiration stop. So they try a different way, going, oh well, whatever we did must have killed, must have stopped that that chemical reaction that was taking place. It's still not life, but so they tried right. sterilizing it a different way. Still, same thing. So there might be microbial life on both our neighbors. And so the original teams that found this on Mars have spent a long time searching for other explanations because they. Right. An abundance of caution here. Right. The last thing you want to do is jump to that conclusion. And so, in the 90s, like, after 20-something years of looking at this stuff, in the 90s, the the team announced that, yeah, we're pretty sure it's life. Because we cannot come up with any other explanation yet. If someone has a better explanation, let us know. All right. And they were roundly made fun of. Uh Uh-huh. Even though, again, their science is good. Now, I'm not saying it's life. But I'm saying their science is really good. And their conclusion was, we can't come up with anything else. And so, when we've gone back to test, oh wait, we haven't. It's just like, how much radiation is on the moon? Oh, yeah, well, we didn't bother to go look. We've sent stuff to Mars how many times? Uh-huh. Um, and I, again, these are, you know, limited, limited payloads, so it's not like you can load up every possible experiment right. and every tool that you want. But, um, but to... Double check on something that we already tested for in the seventies, and go back and say, "Well, hey, they say that there's life here. You can we run some simple tests that might verify that now?" So, oh yeah, we haven't done that yet. So, so both of our both of our nearest neighbors, both of our planetary neighbors, may have bacterial life on them. Might now the the two possible explanations for this are one, life is just everywhere, everywhere that that the conditions for life come even close, you'll get bacterial life of some sort. Right. Or the other option is uh, life developed once in our solar system, probably on Earth, but maybe somewhere else. And we have Martian rocks on Earth and Earth rocks on Mars because there have been impacts that have knocked stuff loose. 
so that it's possible. Microbes took a ride. It is possible that like water bears surviving in the vacuum of space. But. That it's possible that microbial life has been exchanged in a process like this and landed in favorable conditions somewhere. Right, but that means that if we're still detecting those... Right, but it means that it has survived there. It doesn't, right. So it it means that, it, in that particular case, it means that, okay, life doesn't develop just anywhere, but once it takes hold, it can be spread around a little but bit. But if we find Maybe. that they're completely, uh, completely genetically uh, different than us, that may be terrifying because of, you know, the... Uh, the theories that state that there's gates of, you know, civilization that one of them's going to annihilate us. No, 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 no. Look, it would also show us that potentially life develops all sorts of places. And right. That's, that's what I'm really hoping for. Yes. But that the next step in the Drake equation, the Drake equation that, you know, here's here's the conditions needed for life and... And so what are the chances of running into other intelligent life? How many intelligent civilizations should be in our galaxy? And there's all these different elements of the Drake equation that you put in. Uh-huh. And when you multiply those together and then multiply by the number of stars we have or whatever, that'll tell you about how many civilizations should be out there. And we know that it's a minimum of one, but it might also be a maximum of one. We don't right. know. Uh, and so uh, this one just fills in if we find out that life just develops everywhere. Then great, that fills in one of those elements of the Drake equation. But then the next step is, does it ever get beyond bacteria, one-celled organisms? Oh, yeah, maybe right. not. You know, does it ever get to actual complex life right. beyond See, that? Well, maybe not. Maybe that's the super rare the thing. The second stage to life is multicellular symbiosis. Right. Which is just crazy to me that multicellular life began... Because a couple cells were like, hey, things are beneficial if we hang around and do different jobs. Right, di- yeah, different species and so then they became, of the same thing, or colonies of the same thing clouds of yes. cells doing different things. And like, wait, we could do this job so much better is if, if we touched. Yeah, exactly. And then just life happened. So, yes, yes, essentially like that. So, anyway, um, the potential for life on Mars and life on Venus, you know, is it actually there? Uh, who knows? I, but it does mean that, hey, I'm glad we're going to go check. Right. We're finally, we're finally going to go check these things. Uh, of the, oh, somebody said there were four. I swear to God, if we go to Mars and Venus and it turns out it's just tardigrades again, I'm going to be so pissed. That would be pretty phenomenal, though. But there's uh, there's a grant project for uh, upcoming space uh, exploration, and I think of two of the or four of the finalists for for this grant, uh, two of them are actually uh, to explore Venus. So very uh, nice. Yeah. So there's a, there's a good chance we're going back to Venus. We're definitely going back to Mars because everyone's obsessed about Mars. So well, I mean that's cool. It's it's the next step in solar conquest. And then from there, it's interstellar conquest. Right, right. What the the benefit to having life on Mars or Venus is that we can then exterminate it, thus becoming conquerors. But you know what I mean. Yes, I know exactly. Earth what you mean. is dying, and we should probably either fix it or get off this rock, or both, or both. 
Both would be nice. I hate segues. Unnamed history segment. <laughs> Okay. Okay. <laughs> I hate that button. I hate it. Alright. So here we go. He, he's, he's talked for a whole 12 seconds before realizing the mic was still muted. I hate that button. Alright. <laughs> History segment. Loch Ness Monster. Are you ready? Yes. Alright. So, exploring the Loch Ness Monster. Exploring the original legends that this is based on. Yes. So, uh, how far back would you imagine the, the, the legends of the Loch Ness Monster, the first reported sightings of, of maybe not a Loch Ness Monster, but, but something, something big or mysterious or unexplained in Lake Ness. Uh, how, how far back? Cave paintings. Okay. That's a good guess. It's a good guess. Uh, the actual answer, 1933. Really? Right, the same year that Hitler became Chancellor of Germany How's is the that first time. I'm just saying the rise of Hitler coincides with the rise of the Loch Ness Monster. Are, are you claiming that the Loch Ness Monster is a Nazi? And we don't have any photos of Hitler and Nessie <laughs> together in the same room. So therefore... I was hoping with cave paintings. And so the first reported sightings of something weird in the water 1933 all right and then it actually became the loch ness monster it became the sort of the the form of sea serpent or plesiosaur or whatever people Mm -hmm. think it is Uh, it became that in 1934 which is the establishment of the uh, third reich and uh, and hitler becomes the fuhrer in germany coincidence yeah I think not. Um, and, and here's the other bit is that, is that there is, they point to a doctor who reported <laughs> seeing, uh, was his name Dr. Loch Ness? Who reported seeing something. <laughs> Did he have an abnormally long neck and fins? Something weird. It, yeah, that is the shape of water, by the way. I, um, I just like the video. We didn't talk to a doctor, and it's just like a plesiosaur in a lab coat. Stop. <laughs> is that right? So, there's, there's, a doctor, Fascinating. there's a doctor who reported seeing something unusual, a bubbling, a swirling, a large creature in the water in 1870. But the first reports... Of him saying that? The first time someone says, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He told us about that way back in 1870 through Family Legend. The first time anyone mentioned that he had seen that was 1934. So... The same year! <laughs> well, already the same year Hitler became Fuhrer. We got that. So, so it, like, like our earliest reports, anything before 1933 is because Nessie was becoming popular at that point. And now there's people in the area going, oh, yeah, 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 my grandpa said he saw, th- oh, whatever, uh-huh. dumbass. It's, it's just like how there were tons of reports of ghosts before cameras, uh-huh. and then cameras were invented, and then there were no reports of ghosts, and then once we had photo editing equipment, now there's suddenly a bunch of reports of ghosts. <laughs> 
Look, uh, ghosts like vampires just don't show up on film. That's all. Really, then, how do you explain all these ghosts that people are claiming show up on film? So anyway, I just I I just found out that the Loch Ness monster uh, wasn't a thing until 1933. Like there are people alive today who were teenagers in 1933. Uh huh. Like, oh my god! I just I just assumed it went back so much further. Right. So I was in shock. So I thought I'd share. Um, that's it I for was, history. I was, I, I was hoping you'd go into this whole conspiracy theory bit. <laughs> oh no no. Uh, but uh, okay okay. Nessie was a Nazi sub. Hold on. We have, we have to get the little ones out of the room and uh, make sure you're sitting down for this. Nerd rage came flashing back. And I just looked at him and went, Rrr! That's right. It's time for some nerd rage. Okay. Uh, here we go. Time travel movies. I love time travel movies. I'm going to keep talking about them. It's just what happened. Uh, and I... Because I've been wanting to watch more time travel movies, I've been going out and searching lists of the best time travel movies ever. And here's my rant. I cannot believe how many lists of the best time travel movies ever include Back to the Future 2 and Back to the Future 3. Like, you're doing a top 25 list, and you're going to give up two. I'll give you Back to the Future. Back to the Future is a classic. Yes, it's a absolutely. Good, it's a great movie. It's a little silly. It's a little, but it's, it's meant to be a comedy. It is That's also it is. a time travel movie that covers its paradoxes. Sort of. And, um, well, don't, it, it, uh, don't get me started. I'm super nerdy mul- on this. Mul- multiple timeline theory covers their paradoxes. Yes. Yes. Okay. But here's the point You're going to give up two of your 25 slots for Back to the Future 2 and 3. Have you watched those movies? Because, all right, I saw Back to the Future 2. When did yes. we see that? A while back? I was 15. Okay. So I saw Back to the Future seven 2 years. and was. Wickedly disappointed. It was a terrible, terrible it was film. Wicked disappointing. It was a terrible film. It's just it's cartoonish and and stupid and I mean like like Marty's motivation through half this film is nobody calls me chicken. What? 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 This thing that didn't exist in the first film, but suddenly now, Marty. It weird. Okay, fine. Um, but then I finally. A week ago, watched Back to the Future three, which is crap. Uh huh. I thought maybe Back to the Future three would redeem the series. What, maybe what you thought Back to the Future, but there's cowboys now would be anywhere better. I thought that would be fun, but it turns out even more cartoonish. The the oh my god, there's a point where where because uh, now we find out that by the way in this movie we find out that Doc has a problem with alcohol that. That uh, he's a lightweight, and even one drink will take him out. Morty, a thing. Morty, yeah, a thing that did not come up in the first two movies ever, but now is. Uh, uh, it's not even a plot point. It's just, it's just introduced in a scene where we need this comic relief, and so he winds up talking all night in this long, drunken rant. And it turns out he's not actually taken the shot of whiskey yet. He's still holding it in his hand, and finally. As he gets done with this whole rant that he's been going on for 10 hours now, he shoots it back and then immediately passes out. Because that's what a lightweight he is. Stupid. Absolutely stupid. It was not, it wasn't funny. It wasn't, it was dumb. And the time travel in Back to the Future 3, also dumb. And the, oh my god, how are we going to get this DeLorean up to 88 miles an hour in 19, or 1885? All right. 
Because you drive it really fast in the desert. No, they have no gas. They have no gas, and and oh yeah, that that uh, the hover thing for some reason hovering doesn't work anymore, and. The I'm also sure that any combustible liquid at the end of the first movie. Oh yeah, see that's yeah, that's what I thought. I thought well, he can't repair the gas tank and and get some methanol in there, some lamp oil. Yeah, I who knows? No, he needs he needs gasoline specifically because oh yeah, the the Mister Garbage thing that was on the back, or, or it was Mister Fusion, where you stuff garbage yeah. into the fusion generator yes. and it gives him all of his power. Oh yeah, we also have to reveal that. Oh yeah, yeah, but that only powers the time travel circuits. That the engine still runs on on gasoline. How hard would it be? Wait, but to have this garbage power generator power a car electrically? No, we have to rely on being pushed by a train. Okay, and yeah, and the train they they were really stretching it, but I'm like. The, the, the conductor is telling us, that, I mean, this is all just physics ranting. This is just stupid. But the conductor is telling us that the train only goes about 45 miles an hour. I'm like, okay, well, you know what? With a system of, of a couple of pulleys rigged up to the DeLorean and enough chain, then great. We could convert that 40, 45 miles an hour into 88 in uh-huh. nothing. Super easy. Or, you know, you could just put a steam train to full throttle. Which is what they're capable of going like 125. That's that's what they did. That's what they did. But they needed a three mile stretch, which by also ends in a bridge that hasn't been constructed yet. So if they don't hit 88 miles an hour by the end of that bridge, they're going to die. You want to know a secret? Yeah. Trains go in both directions. (laughs) Oh, shit. (laughs) <laughs> See, there's one I didn't even think of. All right, anyway, that's not none of that is my point. All right, the fact that Back to the Future Two and Back to the Future Three are both super stupid is a given. I shouldn't even have had to explain any of that. Uh-huh. The rant is that what kind of person is going to put Back to the Future Two and Three on so many Who? time travel movie lists? Literally, I think a lot of them just copy pasted other people's lists. Who is going to burn? 18% sorry 16% of your list on back to the future I'm I'm not I that is 1 2 and 3 out of 20 that's 12 12% I think it, it doesn't matter it's math all right um also it can't be 12% can it yes because uh 20 125th is 4% cuz 100 divided by 25 is 4. So it's 4%, so each entry out of 25. Actually, I think it's 4%. 15%. No. Cuz 3 out of 10 is 30%. Have that to 15%. No. 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 100 divided by 25 is 4. Multiply it, by 3, it's 12. It's 15%. It's 1, 2 and 3. It's 15%, dude. We're, we're both real dumb. No, it's no. Cuz yeah. No. Three out of... Go three divided by 25. Uh, I'm go ahead. already on it. Three? 25 or 20? Oh, oh, you were saying top 20. I was saying top 25. Okay. But it doesn't matter. Because there were also some of them that were the top 15 or the top 50. Yes, we were both right in our own regard, but we okay. were not understanding each other's points. But that's... But again... The other other <laughs> lists... That list, I can't tell you how many lists put idiocracy 
on the list of best time travel movies. What? Right. There is no time travel in Idiocracy other than the forward motion of time that is involved in all movies. Right. He's simply frozen and then unfrozen in the future, but that's not time travel. He's just frozen and then unfrozen. It would be like saying Encino Man is a time travel movie, which it clearly is not. It would be like saying Woody Allen's Sleeper about an ordinary neurotic Jew from the present who is frozen and then awoken in the future. It would be like saying that's a time travel movie. It'd be like saying Seth Rogen's The Pickle is time travel. And I'm telling you, Woody Allen's Sleeper also showed up on many of these lists. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Is Demolition Man a time travel movie? Yes. How? No. I guarantee you. You go look. You go look for best time travel movies, and Demolition Man is on those lists. I'm saying it is only a time travel movie in the exact same sense. Okay, I, I am. Here's as much as I love to death Demolition Man. Here's, here's the thing. I, I thought maybe complaining about Idiocracy and Sleeper and Demolition Man. I thought maybe that would be a little, a little too niche, and maybe that's just me being overly Uh picky. Thank you for being on board, because... Look, look, if you're calling Demolition Man a time travel movie, then you have to accept that through these minor plot points being an overarching theme of the movie, by that exact logic, Die Hard is a Christmas movie. Oh, no, Die Hard is a Christmas movie. I'll give you that. Okay. I don't give a crap. Because you've it's, contested that point for a while. Right. It's a movie that takes place around Christmas, and therefore, if people want to call it a Christmas movie, there's a Christmas party in it. That's what right. motivated it. Ho, ho, ho. Now I have a machine gun. Right. But, I mean, it's no, not... sorry. I got that back. It's not a movie still. about Christmas, but it's still a a, a Christmas time movie. I watch it every year around Christmas. So, but it's not about Christmas. Uh, it is about Christmas. It's not about Christmas. It, That's not the point. It happens on Christmas. I'm I'm just saying that a lot of lists have wasted my time in by wasting, as you say, anywhere from twelve to fifteen, thirty percent possibly, if you include the idiocracy and sleeper and mm-hmm. like they've wasted so much real estate on movies that are either A, crap, or B... Not time travel. Not time travel movies. Ah. I just... I mean... I don't know. There... Well, okay. Because I, I include time loop movies as time travel. So, Groundhog's Day. Looper. Looper. Groundhog's Day. Happy Death Day to you. Uh, uh, or Happy Death Day itself. Uh, these are time loop movies. I'm okay with those being time travel movies. And there are also some movies where, like, Arrival. Arrival mm. is Arrival is listed as a time travel movie. And in the sense that she simul... Spoiler. Spoilers for Arrival. If you haven't seen Arrival, it's been years. What's wrong with you? Um, in the sense that she, By understanding the language, she can see forward and backwards in time... Right. So she can understand points she doesn't understand now, but will in the future. Right. So she, she basically, she simultaneously inhabits every point in her life at the same time, and she can use uh, past and future knowledge to inform her current decisions. And thus, okay, yeah, you know what? I'm putting Arrival in as a, I mean, you know. The knowledge a, does some time traveling. Right, right. With, with an asterisk on it, but yeah, it's, it's time travel-y. It's mm-hmm. time manipulation-ish. It's a, uh, so, 
you know, maybe my rules are a little flexible, but at least that one's good. So right. there you go. Uh, not that Idiocracy wasn't good. That's unfair. Idiocracy was stupid fun. But anyway, that's my rant. Uh, so uh, where does that leave me now? Uh-oh. No, 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 no. These are on here because I forgot to erase them. Oh, okay. Oh, look, look. It's time for some pod people. Okay, two points, and I'm going to make these really quick. Uh, uh, first, I was listening to The Constant. Again, I just, I finally finished The Constant. I as you to, do. As you do. This is... I'm sorry. <laughs> watching, watching Seth Meyer do his John Mulaney impression on his show just kills me. He's so... Uh, so this is a joke that I wrote... I'm sorry. John Mulaney impressions are super easy and always really funny. Uh, anyway, uh, so I'm listening to The Constant, and twice in his early episodes, he, instead of putting out a full episode, he just put out 15 minutes of his stand-up routine, which I didn't know he did stand-up, but I'm so glad I found out because it's super, sparse, super smart, uh, really well-scripted uh political stand-up and you know he had to preface both of them with big apologies that this is going to be political humor if you're not into this look just come back next week i'll have my regular show uh but he did have some commentary uh on this was uh, in july of 2018 it was right after uh trump and putin had a joint press conference in what were they in sweden norway i can't remember i think it was in sweden that time and and in commenting on that particular meeting, Chrysler says, says, yeah, you know, it was historic. I mean, here's these, these two heads of state, or if you prefer, uh, one head of two states and his friend Reek. <laughs> right. And that's it. You don't need to know the rest of it. Um, but if you're a Game of Thrones fan, I hope that struck you as much as it did me because I could not stop laughing. Uh, I have, uh, oh man. I, I meant to compose an email to him and tell him how funny I thought that was, and I haven't done that yet. So I will remember to do that this week, and uh, maybe I'll even let you guys know if he responded. But uh, uh, anyway, I just thought it was super funny. And again, listen to The Constant. This guy is great. Uh, along with The Constant, I'm also listening to Our Fake History, uh, which is also really good. Um, and it's, it's very similar. It's, it's, uh, it's history that we've gotten wrong all this time. And, uh, and here's our best, best attempt at what actually happened. So, uh, our fake history is pretty good too. But, uh, but the constant is just top notch. Just great. So, also, um, you know what? Actually, wait. I'm gonna put, I'm gonna put this one in word of mouth. So, let me, let me play the word of mouth music. I like something for black people while you, while you were trying to talk. We're still, we're still there. Okay, cool. I mean, I could just do it now instead of. Wait, right, fine. All right. You know what? I'll play the pod, the word of mouth music in just a minute. What? What's your pod, people? I cannot recommend enough Night Vale. I keep saying it, and I have a mission to tell as many people about it as possible. If you have the chance, listen to Night Vale from episode one as far as you can go, because it is heartwarming. It is a mystery. It is amazing, and I absolutely. Love, welcome to Night Vale. Okay, write write them an email and tell them that. F find how to contact them and just send them a fan letter. 
uh, with a couple of nice things because Kyle was reminding me that, oh, yeah, yeah, we need to do that. You always need to remember to show some appreciation to people you love uh, who produce stuff for you, especially uh, uh, especially free stuff that they put out there and they rely on goodwill donations and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, make sure you tell them nice things. Because, again, I was thinking of actually signing up for uh, Night Bell's Patreon. See? that You know what? A fan letter plus money, they also appreciate <laughs> that, too. So, uh, uh, anyway, um, did, did you ever watch Dave Made a Maze? No, I didn't. Okay, because after I recommended that one, Kyle wrote to the uh, writer-director of Dave Made a Maze, telling him how awesome it was and how he would love to see more stuff like that. And the guy wrote back and said, hey, yeah, you know... You know, the way things have been going lately, you know, been kind of hard and uh, nice to have a reminder. Thank you. It was like, like it was like a, just a, clearly he caught the guy just from his phrasing. I can't remember exactly what it was, but from the guy's phrasing, caught him at a down moment and, and was able to lift him up with, uh, with a little praise for something that he did that was amazing. So that's really cool. So, yes. So just because I was curious, I decided to visit Welcome to Night Vale's Patreon. Yeah. And their levels are named after the new kinds of Boy Scouts. Ooh, Blood Pact Scout. Weird Scout, Scout, Dreadnought Scout, Fear Scout, and Eternal Scout. Nice. See, they're clever. Um, all right, so the other... All right, now let me do the, let me do the bread and butter music. Hold on. Okay, the other one I'm listening to is uh, uh, U.S. History in Five Minutes or Less. This is by a friend of mine, Paul. Uh, he goes by Akiva, and he does um, U.S. History in Five Minutes or Less, a podcast for his eighth grade history students. And, and every week, it's basically a summary of the unit that they're working on, and and it's really engaging. I mean, it's very simplified because it's for eighth graders, and it's done in five minutes. Um but it's also informative and entertaining, and he's got a good voice for this kind of stuff, um, a good style, and you can even hear, uh, you can even hear his, uh, you can hear his 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 voice, his patter, his pattern. Um, you can hear it sort of mellow over the course of it. He's got like six episodes out so far, uh, and you can see him settling into this role, and it's working really well. And uh, uh, I'm really excited about because I, you guys know, I love history, and uh, this one has just been. Nice. I just, you know, it's only five minutes, so I'm I'm hoping for more soon because, you know, they don't take long to eat up. So, uh, anyway, uh, go listen to U.S. History in five minutes or less. It's really good. All right, and then that, that is the end of the meticulously plotted portion of this podcast. So now it's time for the pod-o-matic. O-matic. There you go. Uh Hot dog! This is the Nerd Pride Radio Pod Omatic. At the end of every cast, we bring out R2 and his fully pimped out Pod Omatic bubble, and he rolls up random topics for us to talk about. Where do these topics come from, you ask? He said quickly. Well, that's where you guys come in. You want to hear us? Hey, Ron, about something? Send us questions or topics to my email at mike at nerdprideradio.com or, better yet, in a private message on our forums, uh, and I'll add it to the Pod Omatic list because Pod Omatic is about whatever you want it to be. Okay. You nearly left me in the dust there. I'm trying to go fast because we are way over. So We're all out. It's our podcast. It's 32. We, we can be over if we want. When are we going to eat supper? That's not the point. 
32 is from. We are, I could go to Walmart and I could buy a cake and eat it. We are adults. Adults don't just go buy a cake and eat it. I'm very much allowed to. Yes, but, okay, I'm sorry, responsible adults don't just go buy a cake and eat it. All right, uh, this one's from Lisa. Why, well, Lisa. If you had to Happy pick, birthday. If you had to pick a new first name, what would it be? Ugh. Terror Stone. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's pretty good. I mean, I'm, uh, here I'm thinking, I, I don't know, Lance? <laughs> I mean, like. I got nothing here, man. Gray Star the Almighty. Jones. Jones. Right. J- James Jones. Right, because you're only picking a new first name. Right. All right, that's not bad. Um, uh, Keith. <laughs> nice. Uh, 31. All right, hey, we're right here. 31 is from Eliahad. Well, hey. Hey, Dave. Dave says, your games always seem to run pretty smoothly. I know that you have a goodly amount of experience doing these sort of things. Any hints you can give to people who haven't done this as much? Oh, hey, you should roll back about 40 minutes in the podcast. Yes, I assume you're talking role-playing games. I assume. Mm-hmm. But, you know, could be anything, right? Well, Dave, again, roll back, oh, 50 minutes now. And you'll probably hear us speak about, Yeah, y- you know, Assu- assuming- good tips to be a D- good DM. Yeah, assuming assuming you're talking about role playing games, uh, yeah, communication and trust. That's all I got. Yep. Um, and uh, you know, moderate preparation, but also uh, uh, a healthy dash of flexibility because your preparation's all going right. to get shot to shit. Don't railroad your players. Let them do what they want and work around that. Yep. Sixty. Sixty. This is the last one. Okay. 60 is from Kyle. Why, oh, Kyle? Hello, Kyle. Kyle says, what selfish materialistic thing would you like for Christmas that costs more than $100 but less than $450? Uh, VR body tracking. I would, I was going to say a VR rig. Ugh. But I know, I know. It would have to be a cheap one. I'm probably going to get that Oculus Quest for only $299. Uh, look, the Oculus Quest is a good cheaper option to vr though you won't have as many options or as good of graphics and you won't have the refresh rate of some of the higher end stuff but i'm not gonna knock the oculus yeah well and yeah here's the thing i don't actually really want an oculus quest and as far as a vr rig goes my right now my living room my house isn't really set up for it it is i mean we can do it in here but we have done it in here yeah but it's not Right now, I'm not, I don't really want a VR rig. I mm. mean, I don't know what I really want. What? what you really, really want? Huh. What selfish, materialistic thing would you like for Christmas that costs more than $100, but less than 450 I mean, friggin' VR body tracking really comes up to that minimum, though. <laughs> that maximum, I mean. Uh-huh. Oof. Uh, Wow. I don't know. Most of the things that I want are, are relatively cheap. I mean, like, you know, new Pathfinder and Starfinder books. And that's, you know, this is the stuff I put on my Christmas list. Uh, I really can't, I really can't come up with something in that price range that I really, really want. I never think that big. 
It's like usually I wait until you, you know, know what. In that price range, can I get a 1994 Chrysler LeBaron? Yes, yes, I'm sure you could. I don't think you want it. Convertible in red? Yeah, yeah, you've definitely had that before. Um, I'll think. If I come up with something else, I'll, I'll interject. But, um, but man, I can't come up with anything. I said that was the last 39. one. 39. They all know the bit at this point. I don't, I don't think they do. It's not a bit. We needed to be done. Uh, oh, it's from Lisa. Hey, Lisa. Happy birthday. Oh, hi. Hey, uh, which which TV family is most like your own family? Uh, too many cooks. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, what, do you, what do you got, Lisa? Malcolm in the Middle. Oh, Malcolm in the Middle. That's a great answer. Right, except that uh, without the bitchy mom. I mean, I mean, which, look... To be fair, to be fair, to be fair, um, the mom on on Malcolm in the Middle is really she's the only thing holding that family together, and and if she's a little stressed and uh, she takes it out on everybody else, it, it's because the, I mean, look at them, a bunch of idiots. My, my personal push life, to the limit, seriously. My personal life and the people I live with, yeah, I'm, it, it's Bojack Horseman. <laughs> <laughs> he said, "Bojack Horseman, stop." Oh, Rick and Morty. Um, so <laughs> none of none of my my family members are that smart. I mean, like, yeah, Malcolm in the Middle is really the best comparison because mm-hmm. I was gonna I was gonna make a joke and say married with children, and then I was Oof. gonna start yeah, and then I was gonna start going back through uh, idyllic uh, '80s TV families. Uh, Fresh Prince of Bel Air. That's it. Happy That's days. the one I wanted. Happy days. You're Fonzie. A. <laughs> <Hey. laughs> Okay, uh, and that's the end. We are going to turn it over to GLaDOS. God. That is 37. Sticking in the 30s today. Weird. Oh, hey, Ronster. Hey, Ron. Ron says, do you like maps in fantasy books? Yeah. Yes. I love a fantasy book with a good map in it. Uh, do you have a favorite? Uh, uh, I believe Elizabeth K's The Divide had a good one in book two. Yeah, yeah. Divide was pretty decent. Um... I don't care much for Middle Earth. Yeah. It's just kind of, it's a little too simplistic. Uh, um, N.K. Jemison provided one for the Broken Earth, but it's not, um, it wasn't anything particularly special. Uh, what was the other one I was just thinking of? Damn it. I can't remember. It was another famous one, too. And it was one that was pretty good. Oh, uh, <coughs> actually, as much as I have, uh, given up on Game of Thrones. What, what about Jack did, L. Chalker? Did he ever have any good maps? God, no. That man was terrible. <laughs> <coughs> um, the the uh, the maps from Game the Game of Thrones books are... Actually, I like the world there. I, I like his construction of it. He put a lot of detail in it. And as much as I, again, not thrilled about the series anymore, I uh, still like the map. It's pretty good. So, um, if you wrote a fantasy book, what would some of the names of places be? <laughs> Without using a name generator. That's cheating. What? Can I run home? It'll take like five minutes. Why can I actually go grab my world map for my D&D game? Right? Oh, God. I've had so many world maps that I've created for D&D campaigns. Um, and, uh... 
And a lot of them were just joke names, but a lot of them were... Uh, and I can't for the life of me remember a single one of them right now. God, there was one that was a pun with the word ham in it, but I can't remember why I even did that. So... Uh, there was also every town with the word black in it from the original Black Scale Guild campaign. Yeah, well, because... <laughs> See, that, that's the problem. When we're constructing that world, I have the, the general outlines of a map I'm using. But it's like, okay, you guys come across a village, and that village is named, and then I point to them. And it turns out it's always like, Black Knight! It was Blackwater! And and, and Black Mountain! And, I mean, like, every single well, one. Well, after the second one that was completely by accident, then it just became a joke. Right? Well, because I, I called you guys out, and I'm like, no, not another black one. Tell you what, we're calling this one Wetfoot. So, black feather. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Um, but, uh, yeah, it would be whatever my players name them, really. So, oh, well, I suppose you said if I'm writing a novel. Oh, all right, well, um, I don't know. Something uh, probably pretty dumb. Whatever your players name them, because you've been writing down the minutes from each of your D&D campaigns and are going to publish them as a book. Name, names are the worst. I will agonize over names forever. And then, uh, um, oh, oh, wait, wait, I do have, I do have one sci-fi novel. Um, well, it's a sci-fi, it's sort of a sci-fi Alice in Wonderland kind of crossover. But, uh, um, in this one... Uh, everything, all the all the names, all proper names in the uh, in the story, uh, are named after towns in Texas, and uh, all of the names. No, no, that... no, 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 no! Don't don't sell yourself short like that. They're all ghost towns in nope. Texas. Wait, wait, wait! No, that's the best part. Is stuff in the real world is named after towns in Texas. Stuff in the the fantasy alternate oh. world are named after ghost towns in Texas. So. Um, because, holy crap, go look at a list of all the cities and towns in Texas, and then go list, look at a list of all the ghost towns in Texas. There are so many good names. This is great. Well, uh, and all of this was... I know what I'm doing for the rest of the podcast. All, all of this was inspired by, uh, there's a sign as you're going through the Dallas-Fort Worth area, there's a sign for an exit for the towns of Joshua and Mansfield. And so every time I see it, it says this way, Joshua Mansfield. I'm like, who the hell is that guy? And it, it, that joke pops into my head every time. And so uh, when I came up with this this story, I was looking for a name for the bad guy, and I decided to name him Joshua Mansfield. And then that just kind of built up to, you know what? I'm just going to keep using names. Because, well, and they, look, there's plenty of... Just ordinary names. You can use Lobo. You can have Alice. You know? Okay, I'm sorry. Give me a second. Why in this list of 13 ghost towns in Texas is it Terlingua? Terlingua, Terlingua, and Terlingua. Because those are... That's a stupid list. That's what I'm saying. Um, I don't know why. That's a badly done clickbait ad site. Yeah. Too bad. But yeah, I, oh yeah, see Wikipedia, that's where I got there my list go. of ghost towns. See? Akala. Yeah. Which I'm pretty sure that's a region in Pokemon. Oh, it could be. Uh, Adobe. Albert. Albuquerque. Arden. Arispe. Ooh, I like that one. See, this is great. Ire. Can I tell you the dirt 
These are awesome names. All right, anyway. Banker Smith? Uh, enough of that. So, uh, anyway, we're going to turn to Belterville. Okay. If, if for a place, that's fine. For a person, not so good. Um, anyway. Brog! I like that one. Oh, my God. I was just listening to... Uh, Buck Snort. Mission to Zix. And they decided to do... It's a sci-fi podcast, Mission to Zix. And they Burning did Burning Bush Colony. And they... They did a throwback episode where they're telling a historical tale, and so it's all uh, a D&D Middle-Earth sort of ripoff. And one of the main characters in this story, uh, they named Dwayne the Orc Johnson. And I laughed, and I laughed. All right, anyway. Uh, here comes, Jamie Spur. Here comes GLaDOS to give us a recap of this week's episode so far. Kaput. Remember when the platform was sliding into the fire pit and I said goodbye, and you were like, No way. And then I was all, we pretended we were going to murder you. That was great. This podcast is copyright 2020 by Nerd Pride Radio. The opening and closing theme theme is Death Metal Disco by Ian Kronk. My bumper music this week was uh, Bread and Butter, performed by someone, Weezers in the Garage, Wonderful World by Sam Cooke, She Blinded Me with Science, is performed by William Shatner. What? I'm calling you out. What? That's where you got the name Cuthbert from? What? No. No, Cuthbert I actually got from uh, the, I don't know how you pronounce it, Durney, uh, by, it's a, the Durney series by Catherine somebody or other. Um, but it was a series I read long ago and Cuthbert was a main character in there. And then later, uh, D and D, no Pathfinder D and D. One of them, uh, actually has St. Cuthbert's mace and St. Cuthbert's that's actually in D and D Pathfinder source material. One or the other. Uh-huh. I can't remember. So I stole it from them, not from Texas, but nice try. Um, I mean, I would have, if I had seen it, it's a great name. Uh, anyway, uh, all the songs I use are available on iTunes Egypt. Uh, and a variety of other music services. Check them out, listen to them, buy them, enjoy them. I wouldn't put them on my podcast if I didn't love them. If you want to help out Nerd Pride, subscribe to this podcast and whatever podcatcher you use and write us a nice review or crappy one as long as it's got five stars. Estacado. Because that's what makes the difference to the algorithm. If you want to do something super nice for this podcast, recommend it to your friends. You're enjoying it, right? So spread the word. Let other people enjoy it as well. Word of mouth is my bread and butter, people. Gay Hill. Gay Hill. Uh, remember, I'm always looking for your listeners to do my work for me, so don't forget to send me questions and topics for the Potomatic. Grape Town. Let me know if you want to be included in Listener Betrayal, and if you have a really interesting nerd fact about an upcoming episode number, send it to me. Save me Brit. all of that grueling research. My contact information is mike at nerdprideradio.com, at nerdprideradio on social media as I never check, but to be completely honest... The best way to talk to me is come sign up for my forums at nerdpragradio.com slash nerds. Aizoro. Sign up, send me a message, we will hang out together. We will become best friends in the world. We'll have fun. Jonesboro. Now it's time for Listener Betrayal. Before we start recording every podcast, uh, we post up on 
the ever vigilant Gallium Club members and the Platinum Club members. Locker. And we say, hey, we are recording. Anything that they post to us during the duration of this recording will be read off at the end of the episode, which is what we are doing right now. Mangum. 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 All right. Uh, we'll start with me because he's clearly... Uh, McGurk. He's clearly distracted. He may not have any listener betrayal because he's got names to read. So, Mobidi. Let's start off with. Um, okay, no, 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 no. Narcissa. Here. Oh, it's Kyle. All right, I sent. It's Nerd Pride time, Gallium Club member. This week's question. Ohio. This week's question, what's the naughtiest thing you ever got away with as a kid? And Kyle says, looking at my dad's penthouses and porn collection on a twice-weekly basis. Otis Chalk. That's an excellent question, by the way, he says. Here's another one for you. Best and worst Nick Cage movie you've ever seen. Uh, the worst Nick Cage movie I have ever seen. Uh, the, the, the Left Behind? Um, did I see Left Behind? I don't think you did, but that's mine. I think I may have watched that at some point. I don't remember. Uh, but yeah, that's pretty bad. Um, I'm going to go with... what Pleasant was Pleasant Hill. What was the one that terrorized me so badly this time around? Um, the last one. Oh, what what was that stupid one with his, uh, uh, his ghost wife possessing the... Between Worlds. Between Worlds was terrible. Rat City. Uh, the best Nick Cage movie I've ever seen? Um, Mandy. Uh, Mandy's pretty good. Uh, Face Off is a lot of Nick Cagey fun. Um, the Rock. The Rock is a great classic Nick Cage. Um, but look, I also, just in the last few months, saw Kill Chain on Netflix. Saharaville de Vesca. And I am telling you, Kill Chain was, it just tickled me. It hit me just right. I really liked Kill Chain. So, um, you know, hard to say. What What's your favorite Nick Cage movie of all time? Favorite Nick Cage movie? Yeah. Oh, you said Mandy. Uh, Mandy or Face Off. Not because it's a good movie, just because right. I like watching it. Right. Exactly. Sperlin. Take his face. Off. Yeah. Face. Off. Okay, uh, next. Sumter. So, uh, Talvin, Talvin, what's the naughtiest thing you ever got away with as a kid? TP City. He says, breaking and entering. And then he said, you read about my strange dream on the NPR boards. What's the strangest dream you remember having? Okay, hold on. I'm going to read his... Thurber. I'm going to read his strange dream because uh, it is totally worthwhile. I think naming it Tokyo is cheating. Can, can you just, can you stop? I mean, I don't, I mean, it's, I'm not, I'm not going to say it's annoying, but dude, that's annoying. All right. Uh, let's go to the end of page six. That's where Washington on the Brazos. <laughs> Washington on the Brazos. Yes, of course. Uh, I'm sorry. I say Brazos as if, as if they would put a foreign pronunciation on it. Who'd have thought it? Okay. <laughs> All right, that's great. All right, here we go. Can we have some respect for Talvin's dream here? Yes, absolutely. Okay. Yeah, Talvin's a uh, uh, he uh, he works as a. I'm also uh, out of Texas names. So. Oh, okay, <laughs> he works as a consultant, and uh, 
So he says, had a really weird dream the other night. I was at an elementary school. For some reason, I want to say it was a Catholic school. And I had to use the copier, which was outside in a grassy field. It looked like some of the wild grass was growing into the copier, and I didn't want it to jam. So I opened it up to pull out the grass. In the bottom of the copy machine, there was a tray with three to four bodies of little kids laid out side by side, arms crossed on their chests, deathly pallor on their faces, blackened fingernails, etc. How did they all fit in a copy machine? I'm cleaning the grass out, and the little girl furthest from me moves a bit, stretches, then rolls onto her side, opens her eyes, looks at me, and smiles. I smile back because, you know, it's a child, and so she reaches over to shake my hand. I shake her hand, and she looks at the pallor of her skin versus mine. Her smile fades, and she says, I'm dead, aren't I? Yes, I reply. And then she lays back down, places her hands on her chest, and closes her eyes, and I realize they are powering this copier on the souls of dead kids. What 2020 needs to end. That's what he says. (laughs) Yeah, is that not the most... Beautifully disturbing, weird dream you've ever heard of in your life? Oh, my God. Look, from when I was a kid, to answer your question, from when I was a kid, uh, I have two weird dreams that I remember having. Uh, One when I was about, well, they were both when I was about three years old, maybe four, Um, maybe three-ish. I apparently was learning the difference between men and women, and there's a stage in development where toddlers think that the difference between men and women is strictly their clothing styles and their hair. Um, it's, it's, it's purely an appearance thing. We have no idea about anatomy at that point. And, um, or if we do, it, it doesn't seem important to us. And so I remember showing up at my house, and there's my mom and dad sitting on the front porch, but my dad's wearing a dress, and my mom is wearing whatever male clothing I associated with my dad at that time. So they had switched clothes. And I'm like, what, what, what's going on? And my parents explained to me that, that they've decided that they're going to change places. And so now it's my turn to be a girl. And they had a dress there that they were going to put on me. And I remember being very, very scared that they were going to change me into a girl by putting a dress on me. And then I woke up. So there was that one. But then, wow, three-year-old you was very progressive. Then, well, I mean, transphobically progressive. Yeah, yeah I was. I, yeah, um, and then, well, you had two transparents. Yeah, thank. They are very see-through. Yes. Uh, the the other one I remember tra- transparent is I remember there being this big open water, and there's all these little islands on it, and uh, and I don't remember the exact details, but every island seemed to have. Uh, one of the uh, grotesque characters from H.R. Puffin stuff on it, um, which yeah. I love. I loved H.R. Puffin stuff at the time. So that part wasn't the disturbing part. The part was I was also on one of these little islands, and the water is slowly rising, and some of the little islands are taller than the others. And so I'm watching these poor H.R. Puffin stuff creatures get all waterlogged and then have to go under, and I'm afraid that I'm going to be next. And it was also nightmarish. Um, there, those are my two earliest dreams that I remember. Very disturbing. I have a reoccurring dream that I get about once a year. Uh-huh. And it started when I was four. And the dream always starts with me at home, and my family is talking about going on a vacation to some caves. And it's gotten to the point where I usually lucid dream. Uh-huh. 
So I do my best to talk you guys out of going to these caves. Uh-huh. And it never works. No. Dude, it'll be fun. We we go there, and it's... The, the floor of this cave is littered with stale hot dog buns. Yeah, I've been there. And then we get attacked by E.T. <laughs> E.T. is frightening. Uh, oh, he, he ends with, how awesome is DM Darks? So awesome. So awesome. I think I've covered that already. All right. So then next, uh, I have... Let's see. Oh, uh, Dave. Dave says, uh, uh, busting a friend out of her being grounded punishment by being the getaway driver. Uh, hung out for a few hours, and then my parents got the call, but I didn't have any repercussions. Also, played hooky once. Yep, I'm not just a nerd, but also a dork. All right, good answer. I appreciate that. Um, let's see. Look, the naughtiest thing I ever did was uh, was when my brother and I got water all over the bathroom floor, and then when my dad was coming, I happened to be hiding in the laundry basket at the time. Not because he was coming, but because, well, we were goofing around getting water all over the place. So I was hiding in the laundry basket, so when my dad came in, uh, uh, he spanked the crap out of Kyle, and uh, Kyle luckily didn't rat me out, and so I just stood there in the hamper the whole time, <laughs> having to listen to my brother get beaten, and then get out and go, dude, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Shh. It's okay. It's a-. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, what was I going to do? What was I going to do? What, fess up? What, didn't we both get spanked? That doesn't help. Well, I'm supposed to lessen his punishment by hoping Dad's hand gets tired before he's done spanking me? That's not going to happen. So, uh, anywho, next is uh, Todd. Hey! Todd says, A teacher who I generally didn't get along with decided that the best way to involve technology, in quotes, was to use school iPads to record a 45-second book report, then stand in front of the class and play it while we awkwardly stood there in silence. I knew another kid was bringing his super overkill worksite stereo for everyone to use because he had just gotten it and wanted to show it off. I recorded a normal book report, and 38 seconds were perfectly standard audio. The last seven must have gotten corrupted, in quotes, must have gotten corrupted, because that's really weird how it makes such a strange, screeching, grinding, horrifyingly loud, overdriven, bass-boosted monster of a sound that had a teacher from the classroom overstuffed in to make sure that things were okay. Oh, all right. He didn't have the end quotes. Got it. So anyway, must have gotten... Cor- all right, so anyway, the last seven seconds must have gotten corrupted. Uh-huh. And so he intentionally made a horrifyingly right. loud sound. Super strange. No clue how that happened. Computers are weird like that. Okay, no, I, fi- I completely follow your story. And I, in fact, even though he didn't have an end quote, I stopped at the wrong point. And, and it actually made perfect sense if I'd gotten to the end of the sentence. I should have just, just powered through it, Todd, and I didn't. But hey, good story. And uh, you're devious. Ooh, one from Sarah Beth. Sarah Beth says... Uh, I watched Jurassic Park when, yeah, okay, I watched Jurassic Park when I was told it was too scary while while my parents were out. Oh, you rebel! Oh my god! I mean, how old were you? What, seven? Eight? I I don't know. I was 15. Well, wait, hold on. No, because I would have seen it when I was, it came out in what, 92, 93? Maybe? Maybe 95? I don't know. So she would have been early teens. 
She would have been like 13, maybe. So, wow. That's really, uh, really naughty of you. Yeah, 93. Pat is slicing super hot peppers right now. So said to tell you it was when he made his sister lay on the floor while he danced around her head yelling fuck, fuck, fuck over and over because he thought it was... He thought it was a word he made up. <laughs> wow. And then there's the uh, pepper relish that he's making. All right. I mean, what about that yeah. time when you just weaponized freaking pepper fumes and none of us could go into the kitchen or downstairs? That was hardly naughty. That was just dumb. So, uh, Walrus. Walrus is Mrs. Walrus says stealing chocolate from a store after learning about Aging paper at school, I put a paper on a live stove element and almost burned the house down. Ooh. Wow. Stealing chocolate or almost burning the house down. Yeah, that'll... uh... Look, look, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Walrus, yes, you almost burned the house down. That would have been a worse result, ultimately, but it was just through stupidity. I mean, it it wasn't like you were trying to burn the house down. Whereas... Mrs. Walrus, that was a knowingly evil act. I mean, honestly, uh, who's the worst person, right? Okay. Uh, Sabine claims <laughs> claims lots, but isn't yet sly enough. Um, yeah, I, I can imagine that. Uh, Walrus had numerous, numerous events like, oh, wait. Oh, wait. Oh, that was your wife did the stealing chocolate and burning the house down. Oh. Oh. So dumb and evil. Ugh. Yeah, kids are like that. So Walrus had numerous events, like super gluing a teacher's car door locks. Ooh. Oh. Shoplifting, skipping. Oh, no, you are you are way eviler than your wife. What is... Oh, man, you're a bad kid. He's a bad Walrus. Uh, shoplifting, skipping school, being the porn dealer kingpin of the neighborhood. Yeah, that just made you cool, though. Yeah. Um, wow, you're a bad kid. Super gluing the car door locks. Yeah. Oh, I, that's... I, all right, I, I did that to a vending machine once. Oh, what? Yeah. You're grounded. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, I'm sure the statute of limitations is up on that. There's no statute of limitations in this house. Also, I don't live in this house. You're still my son. <laughs> sort of, officially. Debatably. Yeah. All right, anyway, that's it for me. So, are we all done? What? How dare you? Did you have one? Yes! Hold on, I just went through all of them. Let me go back, back, back. All right, because see, there's all of those, but then there's Sla, Emily, Noah, I responded Pat, immediately. Jake. Oh, here we go. And why would I rat myself out now? I've gotten away with it for years. Well, you just ratted yourself out. What an idiot. Oh, no, 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 no. There's far worse things I did. I know. All right. Uh, so I sent out to... All of my lovely, lovely Platinum members. And I said, hey, Platinum members, my dad and I are recording today. If you'd like to, s- to say anything or have us read anything, now's your chance. We'll read anything you send us. Seriously, anything you type will be read off. This week's question, what's your best insult without swearing? Okay. And? Uh, the first one's from Sam. He says, hey, you're supposed to be acting human. Okay, that's good. That's not bad. I can dig that one. The next one comes to us from Kyle. Hi, Kyle. Okay, sport. <laughs> uh, that's a terrible question. Here's a better one. What's your current f- favorite PG-13 horror movie? None of them, because they're not good. What? 
The Grudge? Ugh. Look, I cannot name a good PG-13 horror movie off the top of my head. Wow. I wish Kyle had given this one as an example. Maybe, maybe Lights Out, but I don't know if Lights Out counts. Not a clue. Because all, all the good ones I can name are all rated R. Okay. I'm, I'm just looking it up. So okay. go ahead. Uh, the next one comes to us from Ben. Ben says, I don't care about your sexual preference. Just shut up and die quietly. Wow, that's pretty good too. Yeah, uh, I believe that's actually a Mike Burnfire quote. Oh. Which, I've spoke about Mike Burnfire's playthrough of Fallout New Vegas last time I was on. Oh, that's right, you did. Okay, that's why that name is familiar right. to me. Right. Uh, the next one comes to me from Sarah Beth. Uh, she says, I wish I had a copy of, uh, them's fighting words for this question. I'm huh. really bad at insults. Mostly because being hurtful is kind of hard for me because I was insulted so much and constantly as a kid in public schools. Thanks for the trigger, Aiden. I'm sorry. I'm glad you ended up with a heart emoji or else I would have felt bad. <laughs> okay. I appreciate you, Sarah Beth. All right. Here we go. Ready? 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 Uh, from Google. Uh, a Quiet Place. Trash. Great movie. Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. Garbage. Silly, but still fun. Uh, Insidious Lights Out. Also trash. Lights Out. Lights Out was pretty okay for the scary stuff. Lights Out was good. Drag Me to Hell. Happy Death Day. Happy Death Day does not count as a horror movie. It's a comedy. Yes, but it's a horror comedy. Sci-fi time travel movie. Mama is terrible. The Ring. Ugh, too cheesy. Oh man, you almost gave in on the ring. The others? Uh, the others? Fantastic. Yes. I wouldn't call it a horror movie, though, is it? Well, yeah, I guess it is. It is, yeah. Okay, The Others. The Others is my favorite PG-13 horror movie. Okay, Gretel and Hansel. That was terrible. Terrible. Insidious 2. Garbage. Woman, Woman in, in Black. Black. Terrible. Blood. Yeah, really. Uh, the one time Daniel Radcliffe let me down. Yep. So, The Possession yeah, of Cloverfield. There, there is not a single... Split was okay. Yes, Split was okay, and it was, in fact, a horror movie. Bad, 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 Yeah, okay, bad. that's The Grudge. There it is. All right, we win. Bad. Yeah, yeah, there are few and far between good PG-13 horror movies. Mm-hmm. But hey, we found some, so that's good. All right, uh, the next one comes to me from Lisa. Hi, Lisa. Happy birthday. Uh, she says, maybe if you ate some of that makeup, you would be pretty on the inside. <laughs> <laughs> wow! <laughs> that... That's that's devastating on multiple levels. Wow. Uh, The next one comes to us from Caleb. He says, hey, Numbnuts. Numbnuts has a good punch to it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm good with that. Uh, And uh, I bring this up because I heard one of the greatest insults that I've ever heard the other day. And it's, you have the intelligence of a sack of rocks that was dropped on its head when it was just a pouch of pebbles. I still like that. Which... That's so clever. Okay, guess what? That's the two-hour mark, so we are all done. We have had a great time. You guys are awesome. We love you. We appreciate you being here. (laughs) Thank you. Um, And uh, he'll have more Texas Ghost Town names next week. We'll see you then, guys. Bye. Have a good night.